welcome to another episode of Seeking First. I'm Shana Harvey from Insight Total Stewardship, and you are in the series now uh, with us on family and money. So uh, the first episode, we uh, I got a lot of feedback that it was comical uh, with my siblings, but we weren't actually trying to be funny, uh, <laughs> but these things tend to happen uh, when you get together with your siblings. So thanks to everybody who listened to that. Uh, and today we're going to talk about generational wealth uh, and what that looks like, uh, how we define it, and how do we even get there. And for that, I have brought back a previous guest um, who was here to talk about um, the Kingdom series and our stewardship episode. So welcome back to the Reverend <laughs> Chris Holland. <laughs> Welcome back, Chris. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad <laughs> to be back here with you, <laughs> chatting it up a little bit. Well, I will. Um, I'll leave it to you to kind of introduce yourself again, whatever you want the people to know. I gave a more extensive uh, biography on Chris the last time, uh, so if you want more, you can always go back and listen to the old episode. Refer to that episode. Uh, Kingdom Stewards was was that episode. Uh, but what do you want the people to know about you? Uh, I mean, this is a topic that um, I've been thinking about for a while and with you on and off through our years of knowing each other. And, you know, um, it, it just uh, weighs on my heart having children and thinking about their future and prayerfully their grandchildren's future. And, you know, so um, I like thinking about and talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris actually called me one day. He was like, I got an idea <laughs> <laughs> for your podcast. Uh, we got to talk about this. And we actually talked about it in, in the form of a tax. Mm-hmm. You were talking about what it actually costs every generation in order to um, set the, I guess, give uh, a platform to the next generation. Like yeah. it's going to it's gonna cost something. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that in this episode. Um, and I want to first open up by defining generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you define generational wealth i mean it's it's one of those things where um it's is wealth that doesn't necessarily come from what you're making with your own two hands um but it's something that has been established and or have grown over time from or passed down uh from your great great grandparents or your grandparents or even starting just with your parents but something that kind of gives you uh, a step up um, in in a wealth situation without having to burn um, your debt or um, things like that to kind of get there. So it's something that's perpetually passed down from one generation to the next. Is how I think about it. Yeah, I think I would I would echo that. It's it's wealth that um, you didn't have to create. It's yeah. you know not starting every generation at zero mm-hmm. or, or negative. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even worse. So. Yeah, negative. negative. <laughs> like you, you leave your kids and your grandkids with debt um, instead of assets. Yeah. Um, but you actually start them in a positive direction um, so that they can build from there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of course, the the fundamentals of wealth. Um, suggests that compounding interest is it helps to you know have something to start with like you can't compound zero, compound zero. yeah <laughs> so, do that math 
Yeah. <laughs> Compound zero. It's still zero. Yeah. Um, so when you actually start above zero, you give uh, the next generation something to actually work with. Um, and unfortunately, in uh, the African-American community, this is not our reality. We are not uh, typically generational wealth uh, people. Nah. We're not coming in with old money, um, old property. Uh, things happen. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why that's true. Um, and I'll give some slightly alarming and depressing statistics um, but according to the uh, Economic Policy Institute, um, the median and average wealth by race, I'm going to use median because the uh, average was a little more depressing, but I'm going to work with the median wealth of um, African-Americans versus whites. And this is from uh, data from 2013. Uh, but the study was published in 2017. Um, the median wealth of white families is $134,230 versus the median wealth of black families at $11,030. Uh, uh. That's, I mean... Staggering. <laughs> completely wow. staggering. Um and one of the things that actually is responsible for this wealth has to do with property, uh -huh. property ownership. And when we look at, you know, the, and there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that. Like uh -huh. we've been systematically moved out of property ownership since we got here, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, you know, slaves obviously didn't own property. Nope. So you had, you know, hundreds of years of zero property ownership. Then you go to the Jim Crow era, or actually not even before you get to Jim Crow, you got Reconstruction, uh -huh. where things were supposed to have happened. But did not. But didn't happen. Uh, then you go to Jim Crow. Um, and then beyond that, you've got redlining, where the government systematically kept people... Uh, of color from owning property. And even when they did eventually maybe own properties in those places, it never gained value. No. So even to today. To today. It's still still poor. Still poor. <laughs> still poor. Which is, you know, that that's a longer conversation on yeah. <laughs> true that. On, you know, the systematic oppression of minorities, the systematic economic uh, oppression mm -hmm. of, of minority communities. Uh, and I do want to dedicate an episode specifically to that, because I think a lot of people just don't understand why this cry for reparations is such a big deal, why, um, you know, some level of remedy has yet to be given, that the civil rights movement didn't address this. Yeah, and, and it comes back to this understanding of what general um, generational wealth is right. and why we don't have it like it yeah. is a historical issue right <laughs> it's not just that you didn't make a good choice no it's that you've been systematically kept from being able to even make better choices mm -hmm. because you just don't have the resources right that uh, white communities have and and this is not you know just a knock on 
individuals who don't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, you know, we, we got to do better and it's got to start somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, sure. So we can, you know, hopefully get to a place in the future where we can make better decisions mm-hmm. collectively so that we can, you know, buck this trend a little bit. Right. And, but realistically, this gap, you can't really make that up. Like, I don't even know where to start on that, but you're talking about more than 10 times the wealth of African-Americans do, do white families have. Yeah. I, if, if we look at this in trying to play the um, game of trying to play catch up, mm-hmm. it, it's... I don't think it, it's going to work. Yeah. It's, it's we're not. Never, we're going to get so depressed about like we're, we're going to give stop. up. Like yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's just it's not, just gonna not going to happen. So I think we have to think about it in a different way mm-hmm. um, to kind of help move the ball. Not that we're in competition with others, but that we're just trying to build something for um, our own unit, our own family, our own communities to mm-hmm. kind of move that ball forward. Uh, not steady comparing. Just because right. we're not starting from the same place, you, not, you not can't close. you can't compare that. No, no. It's like somebody you're running a race and somebody got a sixty second head start, and the race itself is only two minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not gonna win. No, no. Um, unless somehow they don't win. Like they have to go backwards in order for this to catch up. So I don't I don't even think it's a question of now competing. To try to get there, it's Mm-mm. how do we move our needle? Yes. How do we move our ball forward um, without the comparison? Because um, I think ours seems to be going backwards. It is. It's it's it not moving forward. It's no. going backwards. Because these numbers, uh, I think if we were to update them, it, it probably is lower. Yeah. Um, because after the housing crisis, it, it, was, it was worsened. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the projections that I saw right now say that the average African-American wealth is projected to go to zero by the year 2053, I think it is. So if you think about, um, we're at 11,000 now, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the projection is that it will go to zero in the next like 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Explain, you were explaining to me how that was, how, how, how does that <laughs> How does that trend start to happen? Like, what is happening that we go from 11,000 to, to, to zero? zero? Yeah. Well, part of it has to do with um, the jobs that we tend to hold mm, and uh-huh. the this move towards automation. So uh-huh. as automation, and you were pointing out that automation, uh, what it is and isn't. Right. So automation is going to take the jobs of, of people who have a lot of repetitive tasks. Uh-huh. So... Uh, anything that you can reproduce as a task um, can be automated away. Mm. And we mm-hmm. tend to hold those jobs. Mm-hmm. So if our income is starting to, to shift downwards, because now we got to try to find other forms of work, then naturally it follows that our wealth will as well, because you got to have some form of income to even start to create wealth. Yeah. So if our income in uh, in the job market, is, our prospects are, are lower, then our wealth building ability is also lower. Mm, mm-hmm. And this projection by 2053 is scheduled to go to zero. That's crazy. Yeah. So it, it's bad, but it's projected <laughs> to be even worse. 
yeah. in the next like 30 years. And when you add on top of that, the cost of college has not gone down. It's not going to, that's going up considerably. So mm-hmm. people are coming out of college, which, you know, everybody says is like the way to go um, with a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Off of your bachelor's. Right. Bachelor's. Not degree. even not <laughs> even your, you know, advanced degree, professional degrees, like no MBA, no no, no graduate degree, no off your bachelor's a degree. Bachelor's degree. And even this study, uh, this was the study, the hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars was not accounting for education. So when you account for education, um uh the a college graduate with a bachelor's degree in uh the average white family. Their net worth is one hundred eighty thousand five hundred dollars. Hmm. For a black person, it's twenty three thousand four hundred. So wait, so you're saying that I must spend a hundred grand, mm-hmm. but my average income is going to be about twenty three? Yeah, average wealth. Average wealth is yeah. about twenty three. Yeah. Hmm. That math seems problematic. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> And, and this is probably a good time to bring up the, the distinction between wealth and income. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sometimes people think that because you make a lot of money, you have wealth. And that's not true. Right. Um, income is not wealth. Income is what you use to create wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you earn is not wealth. Right. Um, what earns off of what you earn. <laughs> there you go. There, there you can. You can get what earns wealth. off of what you earn. Right. Basically... Are you making money without having to work for it? Is exactly. your money making money for you? Exactly. Um, there you have wealth, mm-hmm. um, but income is not wealth. And even with a graduate or professional degree, mm. the numbers don't look any better. It's $293,000 for uh, a white person with a graduate or professional degree and 84000 for a black person mm-hmm. with a graduate or professional degree. So this uh, this gap... Is hmm. is bad, and it's not getting better. No. Um, so now that we've thoroughly depressed you, <laughs> <laughs> um, we can start to move on. You know what? What actually can we do? And and every generation has something that they think is the 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 cure mm-hmm. for this. Because like as like we were talking about, this is not a new problem. No. Um, this is a problem that has been in the black community forever. Yeah. I mean, like you said, when I called you, I was thinking about this, literally driving in my car. And I'm like, I feel like myself even, I'm starting not from zero, but maybe at like two. <laughs> right. You know, right, from right, where right. my parents left off, from what they were allowing me to kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know. But I'm paying that price for even doing that. So right. whatever I have to pay for my undergrad, graduate, housing, like mm-hmm. I'm paying for the ability to move up financially, mm-hmm. which hopefully my grandchildren will see. Right. It's not even for right. me to see. Right. You know what right. I mean? So or like, your kids. Or my kids. I don't think that, I, I don't know if they'll see it. Right. The most benefit they could possibly have again, is if I take some of this on to myself, is maybe hoping that they don't have any college debt. Mm-hmm. If I can help manage that for them, mm-hmm. coming them coming out of school, mm-hmm. 
I feel like I did my part in terms of <laughs> helping them not start from zero. From zero, right, right. You know, because that's that's just that's the text kind of we're talking about, right? To to kind of move up, so to speak, financially. Yeah, and it does take, you know, uh, that type of thinking to even move mm-hmm. the needle. So, mm-hmm. like we said, the the numbers are staggering and mm-hmm. depressing if you just like. You know, think about it too long. You'll probably do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me say that again. It's like yeah, you know what? Well, right. clearly this ain't gonna you know this ain't gonna help. No. So I might as well just have fun now. Yeah. <laughs> like just enjoy. Throw it. the money up in the air. Yeah. Like, just throw yeah. it up. You know, and and blow it. But um, somebody's got to start somewhere, mm-hmm. and every generation thinks that they have the clue. So of uh, so what it is. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at one point it was, uh, I guess, just get a good job, right? Get a good nine to five, mm-hmm. benefits, benefits, hopefully with a pension. Right, benefits, pension. You know, all that, just keep your head down, do your work. Yeah. work for like 40 years. And hopefully, you know, you retire with uh, something in your, in your bank, in your pocket. Right. And then that generation that did that was like, okay, well... Like it was okay, mm-hmm. but that didn't keep us from starting from zero. Right. No. <laughs> it, it that didn't work. Mm-mm. So then it was like, oh, you got to go to college. Mm-hmm. So then the college generation came up. Yeah. And that college generation, I don't know if everyone realized. I mean, obviously, college didn't cost as much then as it does now. Yeah. Um. So there probably was a, a small period of time where it worked out. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. only paid. for college, you Mm -hmm. know, you were coming out and you were going to make pretty good, you know, Mm -hmm. to some degree. So that, that window has closed. Right. Yeah. It's, that's over. That's completely (laughs) over. Right. Um, So now if that's kind of looking at as that being your way out, Mm -hmm. you really got to look at careers. Yeah. Because depending on what you're coming out with, you have to get that professional degree to even get a decent paying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're adding to in. To afford what your undergraduate costs you. How about it? <laughs> yeah. How about it? So there's a lot you have to think about in terms of what does it take to actually move? Mm-hmm. Can I even do what I enjoy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It might cost you more to do what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to your point we were talking earlier you said the first thing you gotta do is kind of mindset you gotta think through all this stuff yeah yeah and it takes more than just like um you know thinking about what's gonna make you a lot of money Mm -hmm. because what's gonna make you a lot of money you might not actually be good at (laughs) or enjoy long enough to even make the money you need to make how about it and i because i've seen disconnects between People who do something because it makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. and then they get in the career and hate it, mm-hmm. and then they hate it so much that they spend money badly, right? Because they're always looking for an escape. Mm-hmm. So then they end up in debt. <laughs> <laughs> so you, that, that didn't work. Oh man! <laughs> so that that cycle um, is not necessarily where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you're in tech, I am. And people said for a long time that was the way to go. So this is what I remember being in tech. I went to Drexel University, majoring in computer science. Um, you know, we had a co-op program, so I was working, doing really good. Had a really good job. Worked at a uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers. Like mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo, 
when I get out of college, <laughs> I want to be this consultant making six figures. Mm-hmm. And right when that happened, was it 2000, 2002-ish, oh. uh, the tech bubble happened? Yep. I graduate with this degree, which allegedly was going to get me this job starting at at least seventy, eighty thousand dollars mm-hmm. could not find a thing. Wow. Not a one. job. Not one. No one was hiring. Wow. At that time. They were all scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. Was I fed a lie? Right. Like right. I was told when I graduate with this degree from this university, mm-hmm. it's going to happen for me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It didn't quite work out. <laughs> exactly. The plan. So. Yeah. In that era, that 2000, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003 Three, era yeah. um, was when I started. I started in 2000 in the financial service industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm seeing 19 year olds start publicly traded companies Hmm. and making millions of dollars in like short periods of time. And then that all crashed. All of it. All of it crashed. So my first, I guess, year in the business, I thought it was easy to invest money. Like Mm. you throw a dart at a company and like, you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. I was like, oh, this is, this is what's up. Like I picked a great career and then it just tanked. And you had to figure out how to actually invest now. You had to think through like mm-hmm. some fundamentals about, you know, what makes a good company, what makes a good investment, because you couldn't throw a dart at some company that, you know, just went public mm-hmm. and their shares were going crazy mm-hmm. and people got out of it because eventually they figured out that, that it wasn't worth that. Mm. It was all hype. Right. And so the tech bubble burst. You couldn't get a job. <laughs> I had to try to figure out how to make people money mm. <laughs> <laughs> in an economy that was shifting because yeah. uh, that bubble burst. Right. So what was it that actually broke after then? Well, after the tech bubble burst and things were trying to come back onto the scene, a lot of the tech jobs at that point then began to get shipped overseas. Mm. So that added, that compounded the problem mm-hmm. is that even with jobs coming back, they weren't coming back to this country. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's like, all right, tech is still an industry, mm-hmm. right? Like things mm-hmm. are still growing and happening. But now where are you going to find yourself, you know, on that spectrum um, mm-hmm. of what's happening in the industry? So, you know, we still had um, healthcare here. Mm-hmm. Tech tech was blowing up big in healthcare okay. in, in the States. So that was an area to be in. If you're in Silicon Valley, if you're doing a a startup still, like they started to reemerge, mm-hmm. um, those types of things in various sectors mm-hmm. began to try to bounce back. So if you found yourself kind of in some of those places, you can start to do something, but also realize you're now in competition also with other countries for that same job. Mm-hmm. So the amount of money you would have made coming out mm-hmm. um, um, pre-2000, you weren't making that same money, right? you know, Post, you know, 2003. So you had to consider all of those things. Wow. And college was still going up. The, the cost. Yeah, the cost of college. The cost still of college rising. was still rising, even though your salaries were not. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> That's like a terrible wealth story. Ew. It's, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, it just makes you think, like, when 
certain fads come up around what you should do to kind of move ahead, mm-hmm. you kind of have to think yourself around, you know, what are all the ways in which this could or could not work out. Right. Um, right. Like even now, a lot of folks are looking at, uh, you know, perhaps college isn't for you, which is which is true. College mm-hmm. is not for everybody necessarily. Um, so we start looking at other industries and sectors, you mm-hmm. know, to to work these blue collar jobs, so to speak, right. in construction or HV, HVAC or plumbing or electric, electricians, all that great stuff, mm-hmm. which are great jobs. But when we begin to look at, you know, what happened with the housing bubble and when that burst, who did that impact first? Right. Blue you collar workers. Blue collar workers. Yeah. Because nobody had any money to pay them to do stuff. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So they, they got to get paid somewhere. Exactly. So if companies aren't building, if people aren't renovating, if, you know, I'm going to probably now wait a little longer to get that thing fixed in my house or figure out how to live without live with it, it. Mm-hmm. Um, until you got the money mm-hmm. to do it. And so their jobs are also contingent upon everybody else's jobs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these trends that we see every generation and every, you know, I say every several, every decade probably. Yeah, something's going on. There's some kind of a trend that people think is going to be the way out mm-hmm. to, you know, get to the next generation and to send them. Um, people talk about it with multi-level marketing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, this is the generational yeah. wealth. Yeah, so all the Amways mm-hmm. of the world. I remember uh, I'm going to get you sucker. Remember that movie? <laughs> Where they kept calling uh, Amway, uh, you ain't here to sell no way products, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> back in the 70s, that's what it was. That was the way out. Yeah, that was the way right? out. It was, you know, how to think for generations and get passive income. Oh, man. Um, but, <laughs> and some of them, some of them work. Right. And that's, I think, part of the challenge is it works for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, like tech works. For some people, generationally, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to the point where they're now light years ahead, like they've jumped their net worth right. so far that their next generations do have in the opportunity to catch up and to start from way above right. zero. So for the person who was able to take their uh, company public um, or was able to get bought out by a bigger mm-hmm. company or who has a patent. Right. Um, or who you know is able to uh, take whatever they have and make it so much more. For some people, it does work out, mm-hmm. but for millions of people, it does not. Yeah, I mean, when I tell when I talk to um, younger folks now who are looking to go into tech and trying to find their way through, I'm like, just understand what you're studying in school right now is probably not going to be the job you're going to have. Because technology moves at that pace. Like, it's so fast. Right. So you really have to think through, um, what do I really love about this? Mm. Is it the managing of it, the problem solving of it? Like, what what is it that you like about what you're doing that cannot be easily replaced? Right. And position yourself to get the job that you can navigate doing what you like, um, not just in a particular technology. Because that's going to change. Right. Like, right, right, right. It may not even exist, which has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, think think through the career, mm-hmm. not just the job. Right. But think through the career. Because then that's going to directly impact your ability to even create wealth. Yeah. If you're constantly unemployed, um, then you're setting 
yourself up uh-huh. to not have an income source or to constantly be tapping into whatever wealth you try to build. Right. Because you're out of work for long periods of time. Yep. Because you're in you're 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 mani- you're managing the trend and not the industry or the career. Yeah. Hustling backwards. Yeah. Hustling backwards. <laughs> I like that one. So Chris and I were talking through um, some of what it takes to get around these trends. Because every, every generation, every couple of years, is going to be something that everybody points to to say, this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and now I think a lot of people are talking about cryptocurrency. As yeah, being, I got some. Yeah, I got some too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to let it flip past me by. Exactly. Right? Like, it's, it's there. Like, you got to know how to play with it, you know. <laughs> but it's also not, like, I'm not looking at it to be the thing. Nah. Um, the early adopters. Early adopters. Who got in yeah. and got out. They make their millions. Yeah, but they got in and got out. Mm-hmm. Like, when everybody else then started. Started, right, right, right. And that's how it works. Yep. Like, you get in early enough, you can get out early enough for it to to matter mm-hmm. uh, and for it to work for you. But for a lot of people, by the time they hear about it, it's a oh, wrap. It's a wrap, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so uh, Chris and I were talking through how to get beyond some of this um, this trend chasing and get to the fundamentals of what it takes to actually create generational wealth. So we came up with three things um, that we think are key to creating generational wealth. So uh, the first thing that we came up with, uh, which you referenced before, Chris, was mindset. Uh, and that and that's where everything starts. So you can't build generational wealth without thinking generationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, scripture talks about this in Proverbs. And people quote this all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that... Um, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Mm-hmm. That's Proverbs thirteen twenty two, uh, and people quote it all the time. But uh, fundamentally speaking, that is you have to think beyond you. Yeah, I mean, even right now, my mother in law, from her check that she gets once a month, her you know static situation, she puts aside something for her grandkids mm. in an account right now. Mm-hmm. Literally modeling that scripture right that they'll have something right from her she's like my kids and y'all can figure y'all stuff out y'all grown y'all still i'm going to do something for the generation beyond you right um so she i mean people some people do it and she's she's doing it right now her mother did it Mm. you know for my wife Mm. so you know and we so we see a pattern happening and hopefully each generation begins to put a little bit more and more aside right. for the grand so that, you know, this generational thing can actually happen. Right. Right. And it does take you thinking beyond it. And for so many people, that's, it's hard to do because they're struggling themselves. Yeah. And they, everything that you get, we want to use now. Right. Right. And we don't have uh, the ability to even think beyond that. They're like, no, but you know, they need this now mm-hmm. or I need this mm-hmm. now. Um, so you can't even get to the thought of not just your children, but your children's children. Because right. the scripture is clear. Right. It ain't your kids. No. It's your children's children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I work with, um, obviously, being a financial planner, 
I can see the difference. I've been doing this for 19 years. Mm -hmm. So I've seen clients of mine who have inheritances versus those who don't, Mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, have uh, a parent or a grandparent paying for their college and those who don't, Mm -hmm. those who have, you know, uh, some uh, family house to pass down where somebody gets to live mortgage free uh, in the house. That makes it. Oh, my God. All the difference in the world. (laughs) Yeah. And that was, you know, going back to the study, that was the fundamental difference between generation or the the wealth gap was property ownership. Mm -hmm. So if you think about um, the mindset of what it takes to get there, um, how do you get from thinking about just you and yours right now to those who come after that? Yeah. So so it's funny. It's just like. You know, when you when you have children, if you have children and um, you can't wait till they turn 18, mm. you like turn 18 or when they get out of college, because then you're like, you're done. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with you. you. You got your life, get your career. You start taking care of yourself. Mm. And, you know, the hope is and prayer is that, yes, your children get to a place where they can begin to, you know, take care of themselves. But that doesn't let you off the hook in mm-hmm. terms of your family, right. generational family. Right. After we stop putting all that we can into our children who are now adults, we now need to take a portion of that and set aside for our grandkids. Right. Like, it, it doesn't stop just because we have grown kids. Right. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but that, yeah. but it's thinking through that. Yeah. And you have to, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because most people do think they're done. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're grown now. Mm-hmm. I've done my job. My job. My part's done. But <laughs> your job is to think about your grandkids. Right. <laughs> like if we stop thinking about our job being at our kids level mm-hmm. and start thinking about the grandkids level, well then you're not done. No. You're not done until they're in a better position. Right. Um, and if we're thinking that far down the road, we begin to live and plan differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you have to lengthen the amount of time. Now, there's a lot that goes into that even. Uh, and I, I want to dedicate an episode on trauma mm. and the effect of trauma on even the ability to think yeah, long term. Because yeah. fundamentally, um, I was talking to a, a pediatrician uh, who was doing a, a talk on poverty mm-hmm. in the city of Philadelphia. Because we're like the biggest, poorest city yeah. in the country. And so they were looking at childhood poverty. And the effect of trauma on childhood poverty, because those kids eventually grow up. Mm -hmm. But one of the effects of trauma is that you don't have the ability to think long term. Right. Biologically speaking, like your brain develops differently. And so you have to learn how to do that once you get into a stable position. Like you have to unlearn your fight or flight. Because you're always in crisis mode. Always in crisis mode. And if you're always in crisis mode. Then yeah, you yeah. can't even think about your you can't mm-hmm. you can hardly think about your children, mm-hmm. let alone your children's children. So I think a lot of us are affected by trauma. Oh, for sure. Like as a people, sure. <laughs> it's harder to think, you know, longer term. I mean, talk about generational wealth. You also have generational trauma. Yeah, like that is real. Right, and and that's a real thing. So mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like it's so easy to cultivate this mindset because some people have to work through more than others. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I feel like I'm fortunate to not have a a whole host of Mm -hmm. traumatic things that I got to undo in my life as a kid. So I think that put me on a a wealth building path that was very different 
mm-hmm. from someone who had to endure significant trauma in their childhood. Yeah. Um, and and not and they have to outpace. They have to do so much more just to, get to, to get to the to, that to the level. starting line. Like right. you just just to start running in the race, you have to do so much more to to get to there. just get to the starting line. Yeah. Um, so I think that you know it's not. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, everybody just got to have this mindset. Nah. Like some people got to work to even get this mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes a lot of work to to get there mm-hmm. to the place where you feel safe enough to think about the next generation because you're not in crisis mode right. or you're not anticipating crisis, mode. crisis yeah. after crisis after crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mindset is definitely the first place we start. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, we talked about debt. Yes. <laughs> uh, debt is a killer <laughs> of any generational wealth opportunity. Killer. <laughs> and from a debt perspective, man, it's just, it's everywhere. It's consumer debt, it's mortgage debt, it's uh, student loan debt. debt. Yeah, it's, like, just to even get to the place where you can start trying to play in this game. Uh, for most people, they're doing it with debt, mm-hmm. which is going to make you start behind the eight ball immediately. Immediately. Um, immediately. And that's where I think, you know, we got to do better about finding uh, resources to go to college differently. Mm-hmm. Um, scholarships or. Yeah. I mean, this day and age, um, and I'm pretty sure there's studies out there looking at this, but, you know, depending on how much debt you're going to come out of with college and looking at the income you're going to make, um, sometimes it's best not to go to that college and not to go to that school. Right. Like I am a strong proponent of community colleges. Yeah. I I love what they offer. Mm -hmm. Um, I love what they do. It's the same courses for the first two years. Listen, like I said, I went to Drexel. Half my degree was at CCP. Like, <laughs> real rap. Real rap. What, summer times? Oh, I took both of those semesters back to back. Yeah. I'm knocking out these math courses. I'm knocking out these fundamentals mm. at community college. It costs so much less, and they transferred. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. so yeah. It, is, it is a thing. <laughs> Half my know? degree is from CCP. Listen. <laughs> Listen, I told my daughter, who's in college now, I said, this is the plan. If we don't get this scholarship, you're going to Monco, mm. Montgomery County Community College. <laughs> That's what we're doing because right. the only gift I have, because I physically can't give you anything. Like I don't have the money to give you. Right. I don't have a generation to pull from <laughs> giving from my grandparents. But what I can give you is my ability to think through it. Mm-hmm. Say so it is worth more for you not to walk out with this debt. Mm-hmm. And you want to be a school teacher? Oh no, you're not going to walk no. out with this debt. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like, so this is our plan. So, you know, um, again, some people may disagree with this, but I believe on planning my children's future all the way out as much as I can into college. Yeah. I'm not just going to leave that in her hands. Yeah. Because financially, she doesn't understand the implications. No. She doesn't have context for it. No. At all. I'm like, I'm living in this right now. So let me help you (laughs) right now. So I might not be able to give you money, but this is, this is part of, I think the generational wealth. Yeah. uh, Leaving an inheritance to your children's children Mm -hmm. is, you know, all three of the things that we're going to talk about are gifts. Yes. They are part of the inheritance. You can help them have a mindset of Mm -hmm. not being a slave to debt. Yep. uh, And think through, all right, 
I can I can help you walk through this process. And that is a gift because mm-hmm. everybody's parents can't do that because they themselves haven't done it. Right. So if your parents didn't do it, they couldn't teach you how to do it. And if their parents didn't teach do them, they can't. they can't teach you. So part of training your brain and, and putting uh, and reading and mm-hmm. studying how these things work having is people, a way to do it. And having people around you who know what you don't know. Right. Right. Like your your circle is super important. Like, it really matters. Because, you know, I I didn't learn these things from my parents necessarily, but I was super critical of where I ended up. And I'm like, hmm. (laughs) Let me examine Let me see how this is going to turn out. You know, so it's like, let me, you know, I I don't know where things are going to end up for me when I retire and my children, but I know what I can help them do. Right. You know, so... And thinking through college debt De- and uh, the implications of college debt. Tell me about it. Is definitely something that you can give them as mm-hmm. a gift to say, all right, I'm going to do this as a career. Mm-hmm. The pay for this is not that high. <laughs> so let me not saddle myself with a lot of debt that's going to keep me from being able to build well. Right. Like you want to be a social worker. You don't have to go to an Ivy League school for that. No. You don't. I would suggest that you don't go to an Ivy League school for that. I think I would agree with you. <laughs> like, unless, now here's the other thing. These Ivy League schools actually have um, more money to give sometimes than other schools. They do. So you got to evaluate the who's cost. Gonna mm-hmm. Who's going to give you the money to study what you want to study Yeah. and not leave you saddled with that? Yeah. And if you got to go to community college for the first two years... Make that happen. Make it happen. Listen, sometimes it's cheaper to move to another country, mm. live there, <laughs> and go to school for free. <laughs> like, that's a thing. Like, yeah. people do people that. People are doing that. Because it's so much cheaper to go to school in Germany. Go to yeah. School. Like, and, and they pay for it. And they pay for it. Yeah. Like, just thinking, <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. Right. <laughs> right. I could do what? I studied abroad, but I didn't stay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like I paid temple prices. Yeah. In in the UK. Yeah. Because I was there. And they're equivalent Ivy Leagues. Right. So and we visited Oxford. Yes. And we went there and was like, man, I'm paying temple prices, but a lot of people go to these places for free. For free. Um, you know, socialism has some benefits. Some benefits. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know, being saddled with a lot of debt is going to automatically keep you. Mm-hmm. Out of the race. Out of it. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're about to trip over your shoes. So you got to stop and tie your shoe. Right. Every five seconds, then you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, and that that debt is going to do that. And, and the other part of that debt piece is, you know, if you do come out and you're making, you know, a decent salary, $50,000, let's say, um, you don't have to get that $200,000 house. Like right. don't right right don't saddle yourself with trying to move up status wise into something you mm-hmm. really can't afford or is going to hold you back right um for that generational prospect right like it's it makes the hood a little more appealing a little bit like <laughs> from a financial perspective let's clean this up yeah let's sweep our sidewalks like they used to do back in the day <laughs> but I can buy this thing flat out right and be done with a mortgage and. A good yeah. amount of years. Yeah, like maybe you maybe it's ten years. Maybe. And you're done yeah. with a house. So my first house I bought in West Philly. I just sold it last year. Mm-hmm. But in thinking through it, 
I bought it at 23 mm-hmm. and sold it at 39. Hey. So I was able to buy a house that was cheap. And it was a you know little row house. So status wise, I wasn't like nobody was looking at my little Overbrook Park. Right. Being like, oh, you made it. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, but actually, you did. You are kind of did. Like, it was the source of a lot of opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Number one, to understand what it meant to own mm-hmm. property. Um, two, I understood how to buy. Right. Like, you know, I got it out of foreclosure. Um, so it wasn't like it didn't need work. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no updates in that house. Hmm. I had to do it over time. Yeah, but that's, that's perfect. And everybody wants everything right now. Like, they want the marbles. Uh, that's not the generational tiles. way to go. <laughs> Generationally, right. you might not be able to do that. Right. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just real. Um, so, thinking through debt, I think I came out with $18,000 in student loans. Mm. And I thought that was a lot at the time. Oh, yeah. I came out of Temple sure after four years and had eighteen grand in student loans. Mm-hmm. And I was bugging because it was like two... I remember paying two twenty nine a month, mm-hmm. and so out of my check, two hundred twenty nine dollars for ten years had to come out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was angry <laughs> because I also worked in finance, so right. I knew what that two twenty nine could do if it was being put into an investment. Mm-hmm. So even though that's small change by today's standards, it was a it was a good amount. It was a good amount of money, especially when you have you know you're trying to start and build your life, right? Um, so anything that you can reduce your debt load by is going to help you redirect those funds to wealth building. Yeah. So don't get saddled with credit card debt. You don't need whatever it is that uh-huh. you think you want to buy. Uh, the trips, the clothes, the bags. Like if you got to go into debt to get it, think again. Yo. Everybody should put like a picture of their fictional grandkids up. Yo. I think at it. I look at Disney World all the time, right? And this is perfect. I look at Disney World all the time. I'm like, man, I really wish I could take my kids. But that is like damn near. <laughs> like It's like 10 G's. 10 easy. Easy. Easy 10 G's. Easy. And I said, you know, I guess my kids will never see Mickey. <laughs> because it's just not in the cars, yo. 10 G's. It's not in the cars. Right, right. I'm sorry. I saw a meme. Uh, the other day that I posted on my page, because uh, Disneyland uh, had you know made mention of uh, Andrew Yang, who's mm. running for president, mm-hmm. and he wants to give everybody a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So Disneyland posted something about that. They said with Andrew Yang's freedom dividend, you will almost be able to afford a trip here. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost, almost, <laughs> and that's after a year of saving. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm cracking up at that. Because I'm like, well, here, here's something that you can learn as a business owner. They're not apologizing for their prices. Nope. And they don't expect you to even uh, to reduce their prices Mm-mm. in order for you to go. They're they going to be what they are. Yeah. And you're going to pay it if you want to go. If you want to go. <laughs> and people do. If and they go into debt to do it. Uh, yes. Bad idea. It's marked off from my to-do list. Like, sorry, kids. <laughs> you just will not see that cat. You won't see it? You just won't. You won't. It's gone. Maybe we'll do one kid at a time. Oh, yeah. This Maybe. is your year. This is your year to go. That's the best <laughs> I can do. That's the best. Right. We'll FaceTime the others. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the third thing is assets. Uh, learning how to buy assets and not liabilities. Mm-hmm. So 
the opposite of debt would be, yeah. or the opposite of a liability is an asset. That's it, yeah. Um, and this is where you know property, equity, mm-hmm. ownership comes into play, and learning how to be owners and not just renters or not just uh, people who buy things that go away. Right. So I have a question for you. For buying, when you bought your first home, mm-hmm. when you said, um, how were you able to leverage that into then getting your next home? Mm-hmm. So when I moved out of that home, I rented it out. Mm. So I had a tenant mm-hmm. that gave me another source of income Okay. that I then used. Because after I moved into my second house, I bought it. And then about a year and a half later, I quit my job. Oh, snap. Right. <laughs> so, which, which I referred to in a previous episode. <laughs> um, so, I quit my job, but now I had two mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. So, somebody else was paying one of them. Okay. And I had to figure out how to pay the other. Uh-huh. And then through a whole host of other <laughs> events, a longer story than I can get into, um, that source of income ended up sustaining me for a while. Mm. While I was in school. Okay. While I was going to graduate school. I needed money, and my rental property gave me the money I needed at that point in time. So being able to have a source of income that wasn't tied to a job gave me the opportunity to further my education, mm-hmm. uh, and then I got I got to have a, an asset that was paying for something, right. right? And then I used that to then buy other properties. So mm-hmm. we have now five properties so far. Um, but that was a, a major source of mm-hmm. me being able to even do what I do now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm now a business owner because I was able to leave the job, finish my degree, and then I came back out from that and started a business. So, so an asset can be something that can actually help generate income, but also um, promote wealth right. at the same time. Yeah. Like it's a now later. Now. It's a now later. Now later. Now later. <laughs> <laughs> An asset is a now later. Asset is a now later. Yes. Here you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. In the in the candy analogy, yeah. we would go with an asset being a now later. All right. Yes. All right. It helps me now, and it helps me later. later. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like when that. I when I sold it, it was just because I only sold it because what it would take to actually get that property. Um, to a place where I could make more money on it was more than I was willing to put in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think I was going to get the money back out. Right. So I sold it. So you got no one to hold them. Right. No one no to fold them. Yeah. I folded. Perfect. <laughs> got Perfect. out of that deal. That's what you got to do. Um, and then was able to redirect the funds that I would have put in that that I probably wouldn't have gotten back out easily into another property. into something else. Yeah. I'm in the middle of something like that right now, which I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to put my money into this. Yeah. I think it's time to get out of it. Yeah. 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 So you and and that's it. You have to learn how to manage that. Mm-hmm. And for for most people, I think that comes with discipline mm-hmm. uh, because you're investing at that point. And right. I talk to a lot of people that want to invest, but they're not good savers. Okay. And if you can't discipline yourself to be a good saver, you will probably be a bad investor too. Mm. Um, and not because saving is just like the end all be all, but you have to create cultivate. The mindset, mindset right. of an investor. And yeah. it's going to take time. It's going to take evaluation. Patience. Patience. And somehow, financially, you get that through budgeting and saving. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you are bad at budgeting, 
and you're bad at saving, it will translate to being a bad yeah, investor. investor. Yeah. Um, so Good fundamentally stuff. speaking, you gotta train yourself mm-hmm. to to think um, systematically when it comes to wealth building, because mm-hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks that, you know, if they just hit the lottery, things will be good. Yeah, I got... My dad been waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long. For now. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's waiting on windfall. Yeah. But windfall financial planning is not good financial planning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I can say that after uh, almost 20 years of helping people mm-hmm. to create it, the ones who get windfalls and were terrible at saving, it went away. They lost it. They lost it. Mm. Um, and so if you're not great at being able to discipline yourself financially, um, and when you lose it, you don't get it back. Mm. Like some people right. could lose it and not get, like I had to blow through a lot of savings when I quit my job. Sure. But I could also rebuild right? because the fundamentals are there. And you still had your assets. Still had assets. Uh, and that was a grace from God for sure, because mm-hmm. I surely could have lost them all. Mm-hmm. But he let me keep the assets, which now generate income in the future. So now those properties, the, my second house is now an income property. Yeah. So now I can consistently generate income uh, from these things and create more equity, too. Right. So those penny banks that you know we used to have back in the day when we used to have to put in some change as a kid mm-hmm. here and there, like... That is still very relevant. Right. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> the learning, understanding how to accumulate, you right. know, some cash when you set some things aside. So keep exactly. that up. Exactly. Don't stop that. Don't stop that. And that starts early. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the mindset that, you know, one of the gifts you might be able to give, if you can't give your kids money, you can teach them something yeah. that can help them create generational wealth mm-hmm. where at least they're not starting from zero and having to go and research all this stuff on their own. Right. Um, they can have at least some level of, of you know, fundamental knowledge mm-hmm. as to how to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, assets are uh, a key. So those three things are, you know, beyond the trends that people try to say are gonna, you know, get you to something wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, these three things, if you do them, then you're on your way. Uh, regardless of what's happening in the economy, regardless of what's happening in industries, like these three things still hold true. Yeah, no matter no matter what, if you can manage your debt, um, figure out how to obtain an asset or mm-hmm. kind of work your way into that place, uh, these are things that can't be taken away from you. Right. So, like you know, you can lose your job, or mm-hmm. the economy can change, or you know, whatever the government wants to do with whatever. Like, yeah. but but you have there are things we can't control. Right. And it gives you choices. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. you have choices when you own stuff, you have choices. Right. It does cost something to own. It does. You got to pay the price of it. Um, But you also have more options available. Mm -hmm. And the cost gets less for the next generation. Right. So I I already understand that whatever this is going to cost me right now, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, for the assets or whatever it is I'm doing, it's going to cost me more, hopefully, than it will cost my grandkids. Right. So, and that, and that's the hope is right. that you know somebody has to begin to bear the burden to some degree to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, it might as well be you. Like, yeah. Start it now, uh, so that generationally, 
your family will have something to be able to build off of. Exactly. And everybody doesn't have to start at zero. No, it's not everybody. No yeah. reason for, for that to be the case for, for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Forever. Right. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> so, well, that is our show for today. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do is put in the show notes a uh, link to the study that I referenced uh, from the Economic Institute on uh, wealth and race. Uh, so if you want to check that out, feel free to do that. Thank you, Chris, for uh, lending us your uh, gifts. Thank you. For this last hour or so. Um, but uh, we'll have you back on for something else. Excellent. I love it. (laughs) Since we randomly talk about this stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so remember, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22 is the foundational scripture for this episode. Uh, We want to learn how to think beyond ourselves uh, and even our own kids um, to the next generation. If we do that, then we can start to close this gap up. Mm -hmm. Um, We may not be able to catch up. Forever, but we can definitely close it for sure and, and make it um, not as difficult. And let's try to, you know, redirect this African American net worth going to zero uh-huh. in 30 years yeah. um, and start retraining ourselves uh, to think about wealth a little bit differently. Uh-huh. So, again, thank you. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInsightTS. Or also on Instagram, get insights TS, um, and like us on Facebook. Insight Total Stewardship uh, is our page. So if you haven't done it already, be sure to do it. Until then, I will catch you next time.